You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning, Schweitzer. 11 o'clock. Woohoo! I'm David Freeman. You're the worshiping body. We're all in this together to dive further through the book of Dr. Luke. And uh, last week we talked about doing your vocation well, no matter what your occupation or place in life. And uh, this week we get to dive into the Sermon on the Mount. Whew. Yeah, have David preach that one. <clears throat> so, uh, in other places in the Gospels, Jesus summarized the most important aspects of life as love God and love your neighbor, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, he kind of summarizes that with, do unto others as you would have others do unto you, all right? And he, uh, boy, we're going to read some really hard stuff this morning. And I just want you to know the outline of what we're going to read, I think, is love God. And, and Jesus knows that to do that is hard, and he's kind of telling us that in the Sermon on the Mount. And the second half of what we're going to read is, love your neighbors. All right? Then I'm going to summarize it just by saying, when you do that, you become a peacemaker in the environment in which you exist. So if you will, here's the outline of Luke in our sermon this morning. Love God, love your neighbors, be peacemakers. Say that with me if you will. Love God, love your neighbors, be peacemakers. And before we dive much further in, I want to give a working definition of love. So I need a volunteer. I need a very specific volunteer, so don't just run up immediately. I need somebody, and I don't know if we can find this person, who really likes payday candy bars and does not like Reese's peanut butter cups. I, I, or at least it will come up and pretend that you just like paydays and not Reese's Peanut Butter. You like paydays? No? You don't want to come up here? Oh, you're taking pictures. Never mind. Okay. So, okay, need somebody just to come up? Yeah, KJ, of course you would like that. I don't like either of them. Really? I'm but not you're a big sweets guy. You're going to pretend? Yeah. I actually, bet, you don't know it, but you just hit the main point. Thank you. Okay, so here is what most of us do in life. We just kind of uh, blunder along, meeting whatever goals that we have, and we pay about this much attention to the people around us. Right? Oh, but uh, I mean, if I can use you to meet my goals, I'll pay attention to you. But then we run into this little thing, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And you have to know that I love, I mean, this is an addiction. I'll just have to admit it, all right? And this, I could pass, I mean, I could be starving and pass this up. All right, so we run across this, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And let's just pretend that KJ loves this and hates this, right? And so uh, we, we, every once in a while, we come out of our blundering along, we think, oh, there's a person. I need to love that person. I need to do for that other person what I want done for me. And that is how most of us, if we try to apply this golden rule, we do it. We just go along doing for other people what we want done for us. But is that really what that golden rule means? Really, what it more means is, hi, I'm David. Hi, I'm KJ. Uh, do you like 
payday or Reese's peanut butter cups? I love paydays, and I don't like Reese's. Wow. <laughs> Have a payday. Wow, thank you. So, thank you. Demonstrations over, go love somebody, kind of, but we'll talk about this, not really love, but hey, go give it to somebody else. Love these. I do, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Score! Okay, so really what we all want is to be known and understood and be treated accordingly. Would you say that's true? But let's take it a step further. <clears throat> is sugar good for either of us? We'll all sit here and, and acknowledge that sugar is horrible for us. I mean, society's proven it. We all know it, but we're all addicts, and our society is built on a sugar system, so we almost can't stop. We are in, if you will, a sin-filled system of sugar. And really what love requires of me to really love KJ is to start dealing with my sugar addiction and helping him deal with his and not enable his and talk about it and we both start eating vegetables together, more vegetables. And you're laughing at me because, yeah, I have that hard time. And have you ever been that person? There are people among us who stand up and say, body of Christ, we should not be eating as much sugar and we all mock them and ignore them, and don't invite them to parties. <laughs> so here's, here's a little more accurate definition of love. And this is one I, I, I've just stumbled across, and I, it's the best one I've got right now. From M. Scott Peck, in The Road Less Traveled, love is the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Love is as love does. Love is an act of the will, namely, both an intention and an action. Love is hard. And Jesus, I think, in the Sermon on the Mount, turns to his disciples here in Luke 6.20, and he tries to comfort them and say, if you are a lover of people, if you love me, you will look at the these, all these corrupt sin systems differently than other people. And when you do that and you stand up and you love, here's what's going to happen, folks. And I want you to know I understand that and I love you and I support you in the middle of it. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, <clears throat> God blesses you who are poor. For the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now. You're not getting invited to parties because of your love stance. <clears throat> For you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now because you get shunned and ignored and pushed aside because people don't want to hear it. For in due time, you will laugh. You will laugh with me. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? <clears throat> When that happens, be happy. Whew. Our Lord is telling us, I know this is hard. I'm modeling it for you. I'm doing it. I did it. I know it's hard. I, and I'm, I'm with you, even in those times when you're sitting there crying because you're trying to do what I'm telling you to do, and it hurts because love is hard. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy. <clears throat> really? 
I, I don't think this was any easier for people then to hear than it is for us. I think this hits us all as a, you're really asking a lot, Lord. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. And then he turns, they're all in the same crowd, right? And, and the disciples, uh, you've got the poor disciples and you've got uh, people with assets sitting there. And I don't, I don't think he's, he's not saying it's great to be poor. He's saying, I realize that happens and I'm for you and I'm here for you. And I don't think he turns to the rich people and says, oh, it's evil to be rich. I think, you know, there's, he doesn't say you shouldn't have assets and you shouldn't have influence. I think what he's saying is, remember, the great commandment is love God. And if, if you're clinging to these other things, that's pretty empty. And he's emphasizing here this love God, folks, because he's about to go to the love your neighbor part. <clears throat> what sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised the false prophets. Oh, that's hard. I mean, it, in the Matthew Sermon on the Mount, he says you cannot serve God and mammon, assets and influence. You can use them, but don't be their servant. And then he goes into this great love your neighbor part. So what's the, what's the outline of the sermon? Love God, love your neighbors, be peacemakers. Say it again. Love God, love your neighbors, be peacemakers. He just kind of went through that love. If you love God, yes, life might not necessarily be easy if you have your priorities right. But, I, and, but, but get your priorities right and then love people. My, my Bible actually titles this, Love Your Enemies. Huh. Well, our enemies are our neighbors, according to Jesus. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who who hurt you to try to get you to shut up. To try to get you to fall into their evil too because you're making them feel bad. You're, you're making their conscience kick in by your beliefs and your behavior. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Really? If you walk out of this service today and your car is gone, you're supposed to walk home whistling? That, this, is, this is a dramatically radical worldview shift that it's hard for us to get so because we're so inundated in this world systems that are infiltrated by sin. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. And I'm just going to skip over a verse real quick. You don't have to try to find it in the slides. because I, I think kind of the thesis of what Jesus is saying here is in verse 31 and in verse 35. And I'm just going to read those together real quick. Do to others as you would like them to do to you, 
For the Most High is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. I I want you to do unto others as, as really I want you to do unto them. Because when you are unthankful and wicked, I have loved you. I mean, Jesus is only asking us to do for the people around us what he does for us consistently. Okay, do to others as you would like them to do to you. Verse 32, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, big deal. Why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Me. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. He just, he's just throwing it down. Yes, I love you. And now it's time to go out and do the hard thing that really, really is deeply satisfying. And it will be gut-wrenchingly hard sometimes. And I'm right here rooting for you. And I love you. Do it. Love. I hope you wrestle with the Sermon on the Mount. Love God. Love your neighbors, and you will be peacemakers if you do that. So, right? Love God. Love your neighbors. Be peacemakers. So, I'm going to show you a little uh, uh, experiment. I've done this experiment hundreds of times, hundreds of groups, different age groups, different sexes, uh, from little kids up to old, mature adults, even did it in a seminary in Africa, had the exact same results every time. Sorry, I'm a little sick, so I need a cough drop. You can go tell people that this sermon sucked. <laughs> that was terrible, sorry. Was... <coughs> All right, so here's the picture of the setup of this. You've got five hoops. No, wrong picture. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's it. Okay, five hoops, one in the middle, four around the edges. And uh, there's uh, people with feet in each of the hoops. And what I tell them to start with is your goal is to get every object from that center hoop to be in your hoop. You may not hurt anybody. You may not run. You may not throw, roll, or otherwise hurl any of the objects. You may only carry one object at a time. You may not keep somebody from taking an object out of your hand, and you may not keep somebody from taking an object out of your hoop. That's the universal setup. I've done that hundreds of times. And it has a very consistent result. Now, I'm going to... I did this with the confirmation class last week. They were great. And they said some things while they were doing it that were just universal statements, and I started writing them down and went home, and the Lord just used them to convict me all week. Ugh. So I thought, oh, I'll use this in the sermon. Great. Because uh, I've heard these. Every time I do this, I hear these kind of things. But what I want you to think about is how many other places in life 
Have you heard the kind of statements that I'm going to read when you were in circumstances where it just seemed like insane chaos? Family, work, church, whatever. <coughs> Pardon me. So generally when I say go, here's what happens. Yep. Woohoo. They just go for it. So in, in the confirmation class last week, <laughs> at minute five, here's what I started hearing. This won't work. When will this end? Are we going to do this forever? You're cheating. Hey, I only took two. This is not fun. Look what they're doing. Hey, that counts as a throw. No, I was rolling it. We're fighting just like we're in kindergarten. Hey, let's team up on them. At minute 10, here are the things that were being said. This is sad and depressing. <laughs> this is boring. You guys are cheaters. Oh, I've given up. I actually don't care anymore. What the hey? You know, Christian cussing, right? Oh, this is really fun. You can't just gang up. Yes, we can. It's not against the rules. Minute 15 to 20. By the way, th these are things that you hear when you are in the middle of an insane system. Minute 15. How does that change anything? How long are we going to do this? May I get a drink? And actually, at that point, several kids started bailing. They had great excuses to get out of the room, and I had to keep hurting them back in, right? They just wanted to get out of there, like we all try to escape lots of situations. Uh, this team lost. We gave all of our items to others. We're being nice. <laughs> and this is the one that really got me. I don't know who to help. So they went on. Most groups go on. Some groups figure out a solution, but some groups just have to stop. And we stopped and we talked about love God, love your neighbor. What does it mean to actually look out for other people's interests as much as your own? What does it mean to actually do for somebody else what you want done for you when one of our default systems in this world is we default to competition? And how do you love in the middle of a society that thinks the only thing to do is win? And I was proud of the confirmation class after we talked about that. They stood up, and in about 15 seconds, quickly, simply, peacefully, and easily came to this solution. <clears throat> Let me see all the hoops. You pick up your hoop and put it over, right? Instead of trying to steal everybody else's stuff. <clears throat> I don't think this would be so striking to me if I hadn't had just the same results with hundreds and hundreds of groups. That we all just immediately jump in and start taking from other people.
do to others as you would like them to do to you. For he is kind to you who are unthankful and wicked. We all participate in many of those insane... By the way, the name of that experiment is insanity. You've heard the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. It's challenging, challenging. Uh, And we, we all participate in many systems like that in our cultures, right? Family systems, school systems, government systems. It's easy to sit back and complain about a broken system because they're all over the place. Uh, I don't know if you... One system. (laughs) Boy, the sexuality conversation going around right now, right? And the Methodist church is in the middle of that. And Bob sent out a great letter last week. And what I really appreciated about his letter were two things specifically. One, yes, a general conference is coming in a few weeks. Let's pray. I mean it. I'm going to pray right now. Lord, we so much want your peace from the Sermon on the Mount to reign. We, we want that to reign in every church, your universal church worldwide. And the Methodist church is going into a very challenging conversation. Oh, Father, please work your miracles. We ask for your love and your peace to just pervade. Amen. And I love the other thing that Bob put in his pastor's note was the uh, statement from David Watson. And in the midst of all this deep disagreement, I don't even know what David Watson was writing about. And this statement applies to so many scenarios and situations in which we all exist. In the midst of all this deep disagreement, the Bible forces me to remember that the people I disagree with, people that I may get mad at, are so important to God that Christ died for them. And in those times when I've tried to hurt the people who hurt me, you know, do, to unto, uh, do unto others as others have already done unto you, we, we fall into that too easily. When I've returned evil for evil, when I haven't shown meekness, but I've succumbed to pride and anger, Scripture calls me to confess my sin and repent. And I would add a word to what David Watson said, ask forgiveness. That's another sermon. How do you need to love God and love your neighbors and be peacemakers in your relationships, in the systems in which you exist right now? What would it look like for you to think about the person you most don't want to be around and to go love that person? What would that very practically look like in your life? Would it bring peace? I challenge you. Do it. Michael Penn recently wrote a book called Kissing Christians. He's a historian, and he uh, studied the early church. Some of the 
uh, epistles reference to giving a holy kiss. But he said it was such a part of the culture that the early church brothers and sisters would go around kissing each other on the lips. It started to become uh, a form of gossip. People gossiped about them because it looked really wrong. Yeah, we can mess up all sorts of systems, right? But it started because they were passing the peace of Christ to one another, and it was just a deep recognition that life is really hard, and you just ran into somebody who knows what you're going through and is reminding you of what Christ is saying. And they were known as the kissing Christians. We thought about practicing that this morning. That's what we thought. So we came up with a different idea of how can we tangibly practice passing Christ's peace to one another and do something that will remind ourselves how to do this, to do it when we walk out of here. You know, if your goal is to go get lunch, that's not your main goal. Your main goal is love God, love your neighbor, be peacemakers. If you're going to go pick somebody up at the airport, that's really not your main goal. What's your main goal is you're driving through traffic. Love God, love your neighbors, be peacemakers. If you're going into school to talk to your child's counselor who is telling you your child is evil, that's not your main goal. Your main goal is love God, love your neighbors, be peacemakers. If you are going into the most important negotiation for your company's renewal of a huge contract, that's not your main goal. Your main goal is Love God, love your neighbors, be peacemakers. Oh, it's easy to say. We will change the world when we do it. 